Good evening, Elements. How's everyone doing? Awesome. Well, hey, we are so glad that you guys are here. If you are in person with us, so great to see everybody in this brand new year, 2021. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. Um, for those of us that are joining in from our living rooms, uh, welcome as well. We're so glad that you chose to tune in with Elements tonight. Um, so this is my first time doing the announcements, so you all have to bear with me. I always kind of like, I'm a worship leader, so I stand up here and I'll sing, but when I see other people doing announcements, I'm like, oh, that must be easy, right? But it's not. So, um, But just a reminder, uh, for those of you who might be new to our church, uh, we have an app. Um, so I would encourage you guys to download that. A lot of key functions um, that are available there. Um, on the app and in our chat room, we have hosts um, tonight. So if you are online um, or if you're in your living room, just feeling like you want to connect with somebody there's an opportunity for you there to jump on, connect with one of those chat hosts, and uh, we'll definitely get you hooked up. Uh, and then Jack uh, has uh, an online lunch um, that is uh, available. Um, so I would encourage everybody to check that out. If you're feeling like you want to connect with Jack, just have a few moments, ask some questions. Uh, as we move through January, we're going to be talking a little bit about the vision of the church moving forward, um, what that looks like, and uh, how God's going to breathe into that. So if you're interested in asking some questions, um, that opportunity to, to sit down with Jack might be a really awesome way to connect uh, and see where you can jump in and help us uh, achieve God's purpose for that. So um, I'm going to pray for us, and uh, we're going to kick things off, all right? Dear Jesus, thank you so much. Here we are in 2021 in a new year, Father, and you are as good and as worthy of our praise as ever. We appreciate your consistency, your faithfulness, your pursuit of us, and we worship you for that. Tonight, may you bless our church family to achieve your purpose throughout this new year. Amen. All right, let's stand and worship. Face with you. 
celebrating it, man. Let's sing together. Greater, 
is Lord of Lords. All the glory belongs to you. And yet you didn't want the glory of heaven because you brought, you brought the heaven here. You came down here, Lord, and you gave up. You gave up all of it for our sake, for the great love that you have for us. So tonight, Lord, we want to know this love. And we want to bring glory to this beautiful and wonderful and powerful name. Because this is our goal. This is our purpose in life. This is what should be bringing us the greatest joy of all. So Lord, tonight we pray, Father, that you would speak into our hearts through Lyle. Father, we pray that you would anoint his word tonight. And then that his word would speak deeply. And we would come out of this building changed and transformed in your name, for the sake of your name, so we can carry your beautiful name out of this building. We love you, God. We praise your holy name. And we thank you. Thank you for having you, Jesus. And we pray all these things in your precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Well, a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, there's a nine-year-old slave boy by the name of Anakin who had special abilities, he had special powers, and he didn't quite know it yet, but he did know that he was an incredibly gifted pilot. Uh, he was incredibly gifted as an engineer, could do all these things. He just needed someone to help him. Who did he turn to? Liam Neeson. 12th century France, a young blacksmith named Balian watches as tragedy unfolds in his personal life. His child is uh, killed before it's even born. Out of the depression, his wife commits suicide. And as he's grieving all of this, he, he snaps and he ends up murdering his brother. Why? Because he finds out that his brother, who was in charge of the local uh, church, uh, dismembered her body before burying her. And he's looking for redemption. And so a knight comes along and says... Maybe you can find it in the promised land. You can come with me and I'll teach you the ways of chivalry. I'll teach you how to battle, to fight for what's good and noble and just. Who was this man? Liam Neeson. 17th century Jesuit priests, they have this heart for the gospel. They want to bring it to the people of Japan. And they, they need to learn the ways of being a missionary and what it is uh, to, to take this gospel message. What it is to live the life that a monk, that a priest should live. Who do they turn to? Liam Neeson. Clearly Liam Neeson possesses a particular set of skills that we as a church can look to, that if we embrace, we can better learn how to train and, and do what we uh, say in the church is discipleship. And that's what tonight's all about. It's all about discipleship. So happy new year. Thank you everyone for being here tonight. Uh, tonight Jack is at home. He finally gets a night off. So Jack, if you're watching, let's just give him a nice little applause, say thanks. He does so much, uh, so often for all of us and to, to prepare his sermons every week. And so this is going to be a chance for him to just relax. So you're stuck with me tonight. Again, my name is Lyle. I'm usually the worship director here tonight. Uh, well, I am the worship director. But tonight I get to, to bring this message, the first message of 2021. And we're kicking off uh, a series that we're going to call Elements Refresh. And uh, so coming into this new year, the vision of the church remains the same. We want to bring the hope and the light of Jesus to the heart of the city. The mission of the church remains the same. 
We want to invite people into life-giving and life-changing relationship with Jesus. But the way that that may happen and that we want to see that happen, we want to refresh that a little bit. And so starting tonight, we're going to look at discipleship. Uh, next week and through the rest of the month, uh, Pastor Jack's going to be sharing uh, in three other areas on how we want to refresh that mission so that we can really live on mission and make 2021 uh, a very fruitful year. And don't we want that? Don't we need that? New years are great because they bring about new beginnings, new opportunities to implement maybe some change in our lives, at least for a day or two until we give up on the resolution. But when it comes to discipleship, I promise you this, if we're willing to commit ourselves to this principle, this truth, we will look back at the end of this year on 2021 and we're gonna see life change that's occurred, not just in you, if you're willing to do it, but in those around you, uh, if they're willing to do that too. And so buckle up. It's not easy. It's not going to be just all roses and uh, great moments. It's going to be hard. But I know that you can do it. And I know that it's worth doing it. Uh, I recently saw a statistic, a a poll that the Gallup company did, uh, and they asked people to rate their mental health. And so uh, in 2019, from 2019 to 2020, they asked the same group of people uh, how they would rate their mental health. They broke it down by so many demographics, and let me tell you, there was only one demographic where there was a positive increase in people rating their mental health as excellent, and that were those who attended a weekly religious service. It's pretty interesting, isn't it? It shouldn't be a surprise to any of us in the room or any of you who are streaming at home. We understand that when we draw deep roots into Christ, when we lean into him, we have everything that we need. And so we may be in the middle of a pandemic. We may be stuck indoors. We may be wearing masks as we go out and trying to keep our distance from people and calling out sick from work even though we would normally have gone in previously and and just dealing with things that we never thought as a society that we would be dealing with. But how cool is it that we get to do that with Jesus? And that because of him, we have everything that we need to still be successful in this life. That's what tonight's gonna be all about. So if you have a piece of paper, pull it out. If you have a pen, I want you to write this down. If you don't, go ahead and pull your phone out. If you know me, you know I like to define terms. If we're gonna talk about discipleship, what is a disciple? We need to define that first and foremost right away. I love how Jim Putman puts this. I want you to write this down, whether you type this up in your notes uh, or write it out on a sheet of paper. A disciple is someone who knows and follows Jesus, is becoming like Jesus, and is committed to the mission of Jesus. I'm going to say that again so you can write that down. It'll be up on the screen too. A disciple is someone who knows and follows Jesus, is becoming like Jesus, and is committed to the mission of Jesus. Let's say that together. That's how important this is. Say it with me now. A disciple is someone who knows and follows Jesus, is becoming like Jesus, and is committed to the mission of Jesus. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Uh, if you've got the church app, uh, you can uh, get the notes in there. If you're using new version, go to events. All these notes are going to be here as well. Uh, but Matthew 28, 18 through 20, I'm reading out of the ESV. It says this. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And so we're gonna get our points from this passage tonight. You've probably heard this in church before. This is called the Great Commission. These are the last words of Jesus. And so if these are the final words of Jesus, don't you think it's pretty important for us to pay attention to what he has to say? Don't you think it might be important that we should probably take this and try to live this out? So point number one from all this, what we see, he says, go, not come. Go, not come. So often it it seems that we feel like we have to do attractional ministry, that when it comes to sharing the gospel or bringing the good news of Jesus and the hope uh, that, that comes in him, uh, that we, we, we kind of wait to build the right relationships with people or maybe we wait until someone sneezes. God bless you. And like we see, like when we say, did, did they respond to God? Hey, let me tell you about God. Like right now, like sometimes we get weird about it, but other times we just were so lazy fair, we were just so hands off that someone's in the middle of sharing how their life is falling apart, that things are shipwrecked and they don't even know what to do. And in that moment, we get kind of overwhelmed and we kind of clam up and maybe you feel like something kind of pounding inside and you're like, oh, well, I'll pray for you. See you later, man. Right? Like, that's not what we've been called to do. We have been called to go, not let people come to us. And really, if you were to translate, this is an active verb to go. So it's not just like go out of your way to do this. It's as you go through your life, as you go along, go make disciples of all nations. Really, the point of all that is this. Discipleship means being intentional. Think about a vacation that you've had. Probably not recently. Well, maybe some of you got to go in state. But uh, for my wife and I, she's awesome, by the way. Uh, She's the one who sings up here, Anya. And I'm so blessed. Uh, She's from Ukraine, just so those of you who have noticed she's got the accent, that's where she's from. Uh, So she and I like to go to Europe because she is from Ukraine. We we try to see her family every other year, Uh, but recently we've also tried to go to other places around Europe, and in 2018, we got to take kind of a bucket list trip for me. We got to go to England. We got to go to Scotland. I've always wanted to go to the Scottish Highlands. I just thought they were beautiful. I wanted to see castles. Uh, I always wanted to go see Manchester United play in person because I'm a big soccer fan as well, so I got to go to their home stadium with 75,000 people people just screaming our heads off when they scored the winner right at the end of the game. It was amazing. Uh, And just, it was a blast. We, driving around the Highlands, saw some of the most beautiful things that we've ever seen in our lives. You know, uh, the movie Highlander, that Elan Donan castle is what that's called. We got to go to that castle and we're just like, oh, Sean Connery was here and nerding out about all that stuff. And I was all excited. But there's just this mystical, beautiful peace that was up there, that was so healing for us. And we felt like we connected to the Lord uh, in such a beautiful way. And so we came back and uh, my other job, a lot of people were kind of asking about the trip, showed them some pictures of everything. And I can't tell you how many people said to me, and I work with a lot of younger folks, right? They're like 20s, late, you know, early to to late 20s. And most of them are, gosh, I I wanna do a trip like that. So I always ask them, first question, do you have your passport? The vast majority of them are like, no, never even thought of getting a passport. I was like, listen, these vacations, they don't plan themselves. They take intentionality. 
Someone has to spend the time looking up accommodations, booking those accommodations, figuring out rental car, uh, finding out uh, where you can go get food, like what are you gonna do for uh, eating, what type of a budget are you gonna set? Uh, and so when Anya and I went to England and Scotland, we didn't just walk up to the airport one day and be like, well, hopefully we can get some tickets from uh, Tucson to London. Let's figure this one out. Well, when we get there, yeah, we'll just buy suitcases, buy clothes. Like, that would be ridiculous. You can't do that. In the same way with discipleship, it takes intentionality. You can't go on this journey. And let me tell you, discipleship's a journey. This isn't something that happens overnight. This isn't something that's going to happen immediately. This is a process that we all have to commit ourselves to. But if you're willing to do that, if you're willing to be intentional about it, it's going to change your life. I promise you that. I said before that it's, it's not about attractional ministry. Um, I think another trap a lot of us believers fall into is we want to invite people to come to church with us. And it's like, oh, just listen to the pastor. The pastor will share the message and then get to hear the message that way. And so really, what, what are we doing? We're trying to get them to come to us even still. Uh, it's not about that attractional ministry. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said um, that... If you have to give a carnival to get people to come to church, then you will have to keep giving carnivals to keep them coming back. What he's saying is the way you win people is the way you keep them. And so yes, we have lights. Yes, we put some haze in the room. Yeah, we try to make worship a big deal. Why? Because we serve a big God. And the size of worship that we portray up here directly reflect how big we think God is and how worthy of our worship he is. So we're gonna make a big deal out of that because we know that that's something that people want to keep coming back to. If we can keep people by helping them connect with the Lord and worship, we wanna do that. In the same way with discipleship, if we can win people with discipleship and keep them coming back to the gospel, we're gonna keep them. That's the type of church that we wanna be. That's the type of uh, group, uh, that's the, the body of Christ that we want to be, is one that's constantly pointing people back to the saving message of Jesus. Amen. And so, let's go back to our definition of a disciple. A disciple is someone who knows and follows Jesus, is becoming like Jesus, and really the, the, this first point, what this helps us do, this is how we connect and become committed to the mission of Jesus. Because Jesus' mission was what? Was to go bring that message to people. In fact, Jesus threw everybody off. Why? Because he didn't come to hang out with the rich. He didn't come to hang out with all the Pharisees and the religious leaders. He came to hang out with the sinners. He found himself with prostitutes, with tax collectors, with people that nobody wanted to spend time with, with those who were overlooked, with those who weren't seen. He went to lepers, he went to the blind, he went to those who were handicapped, and he brought this message of hope that he was here. Their savior was right there with them. They could know him in the flesh. That's the mission of Jesus. We wanna be committed to the mission of Jesus. Part of that definition there too uh, talks about uh, that uh, someone who follows Jesus. And so if we're following Jesus by going, what does it say? It says go to the nations. And so here's the second point. We wanna go to everyone, not just some. How often 
Do we find ourselves waiting maybe to share the message, the good news of Jesus with other people uh, just because we want to bring it maybe to an influencer or maybe we want to win over uh, one of our friends, uh, but instead we, we miss that Christ might be at work in somebody uh, in, their, in their life, whether that be somebody in line with us at the grocery store. Maybe it's somebody who's in the middle of their workout at the gym. We don't know. And so let's turn to Luke chapter 8. Uh, starting in verse four, I want to read the parable of the sower here. I think there's a great principle for us that really makes this point. Uh, So starting in verse four, it says, when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to see him, him being Jesus here, Jesus said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Notice here, what does the sower do? When the sower walks out, where does the sower plant the seed? He doesn't discriminate, does he? The sower planted the seed everywhere. And I remember watching a video of the guy as he was like showing how he would seed his backyard. And so he's just grabbing these handfuls of, of seed and he's just kind of slinging it out in his yard. There's no discrimination when it comes to where you're supposed to plant that seed. So when you bring the gospel, when we're told that we're to bring it to everyone, not just some, we can't discriminate. We can't think, oh man, I've got to wait for the right moment. I've got to wait for this person's life to be falling apart. I've got to be, uh, you know, waiting for whatever God wants us to come with that message to anyone that we come into contact with whenever we do. This isn't easy, is it? I'm terrible at this. I'm just gonna be honest. I'm so introverted. I'm so, it's like that shyness thing where I have to find my safe place before I really wanna engage. So if you see me walk by you at church, it's not that I don't like you. I'm just slightly afraid of you. I'm being honest. That's what it means. And the interesting thing, like uh, for a long time, psychologists used to believe that uh, introverts really made up such a small percentage of the population. They're finding out that like 60% of society is actually introverted. So let's be honest. If we just kind of pass by each other, we've got to go out of our way to try to smile and say, hey, how's it going, don't we? We don't live in a society where we even know our neighbors the way that we once did. Think back several generations ago. I could tell you all my neighbors from when I was kids, you know. Growing up uh, next door to Tom, he had the cats that we'd always bring over. Like we had the Baganis. Like I can literally name off all these folks. And nowadays, I'm fortunate if I even know the first name of somebody who lives next door to me, let alone anything about their life, right? And yet, if there's that intentionality, right, from point number one, if we're intentional as we go to everyone, we can find that there's, uh, there's strength. We have the ability to bring this message to people. And quite frankly, there are people who are waiting to hear it that have no idea that they're waiting to hear it. I want to tell you, uh, a friend of mine who mentored me for a couple of years uh, was also mentored by a guy who uh, ran the chapel services for NASCAR. And so this is like, gosh, 2007, 2008. Um, but there's probably like a four-year period that every time this, uh, the NASCAR tour came through, is it called the tour? I don't even know. So every time NASCAR came through Phoenix at PIR, uh, I was there. 
and I was there to just lead worship for a chapel service. Uh, if you know anything about NASCAR, their races are almost always on a Sunday. And so the, the drivers, like they load up RVs and they're literally just every weekend. They're in an RV, they're driving from track to track uh, to do what they do. But with a race on a Sunday, you don't get a chance to take your family to church. And so this ministry exists to bring church to them. So there's a driver's meeting that usually takes place before the race happens. Uh, and that's kind of like the who's who. Anybody who wants to be seen tries to get into the driver's meeting apparently. And so I'm just back there with the chaplain, uh, kind of a fly on the wall, watching all these drivers come in. They learn about the different turns. They learn if there's any safety things they need to know. Uh, if they have questions, they can ask. The head of NASCAR is the one who's literally leading all this stuff, um, and when it's done, they kind of dismiss, and five minutes later, you start church. So I remember the first time I got to do this. My Aunt Sandy, she uh, lived in South Carolina, loved, like loved NASCAR. I've never had an appreciation for it, right? Like it's just left turns, that's the joke, right? I don't get it. It's not for me. Aunt Sandy could tell me everything about the drivers. She could tell me the point standing. She could tell me everything. And so when I told her that we were going to uh, get to go do this, um, she's so excited for me. And she's like, Lyle, Lyle, you have to pray for two drivers. You have to pray. And I won't say their names, but she's like, you have to pray for them. They need to know Jesus. And I just want them to know Jesus so badly. And they don't. They don't. They need him. They just need him. So let's pray for them. I was like, you got it, Aunt Sandy. I will be praying. So, um, Gosh, it was probably the third or fourth year that I'd been doing this. And uh, I remember getting up to start leading worship uh, as this is about to, to start. And I look up just to kind of see who stayed in the room. And sitting in the front row, I'm not kidding, five feet away from me. Uh, yeah, we didn't physical distance because COVID wasn't a thing then. But sitting five feet away from me was one of these drivers. And I never in my life expected to see this person sitting in a chapel service. And in that moment, God spoke to me, reminded me what Paul said in, uh, in the, I believe it's 1 Timothy, when he said, here's a trustworthy saying, Christ Jesus came to save sinners. That's what Jesus came to do. I think we all forget that at one point, every single one of us, every human who's ever been born other than Jesus at some point has been an enemy of God. And yet God's grace is so good and so prevalent that it's able to break through even our own hard hearts to save us, to regenerate us. And not a single one of us are so far gone that God can't reach them. We have to stop saying no for people before we even give them a chance to say no for themselves. We've got to go to all people. We've got a message of hope, a message that people need to hear that with Christ in us, that we can face everything. And this is simple. You don't have to make it difficult. It's merely just sharing with people. Who were you before you met Christ? What difficulties did you face in your life? After you met Christ, who did you become? And just talk about the difference. And just say, this is the difference that Jesus made in my life. Come and see. Just come with me and explore this Jesus and see if he's not worth following the same way that I have. I think all too often we're probably just afraid of failure, if we're being honest. I know I am, because we feel that if we bring this message that people are rejecting us. But what I want to remind you is, is the sower did not discriminate. Why? Because it wasn't the sower's job to grow the seed. 
It was the sower's job just to, to spread the seed. The Holy Spirit's the one who has to convict and change a person's heart. If a person's ever gonna respond to the gospel, it's gonna be because the Holy Spirit is speaking and moving in that person's life. And it's our responsibility to trust the Spirit to do his job and simply do the job that he's placed before us to do. And our third point is this. So number one, we're supposed to go, not let people come to us. Two, we go to everyone, not just some. And then three, we make disciples. The better word to use here is we make trainers, not church members. All too often, I have to confess, church leadership, all too often what we want is we want to see people show up. We want to see numbers. We check and we want to see that people are tithing. It's not that we go in and see who's giving what, by the way, but we, we just hope, like we look at the, the every week, like the, what's coming in, you know. Uh, so ultimately people who lead churches want to see engagement from people. And I have to confess to you, we've missed the point and we've missed this mark for decades. And the church has suffered because of it. We've been called to make trainers and what that means is people who train others so that they can then train others so that they can train others. We're supposed to start a multi-generational movement of discipleship. And we've seen that here in this church. We've got a little bit of that. We're probably to like maybe level three, fourth generation discipleship. But how cool would it be if at the end of this year, we're looking at like 16, 17 generations of discipleship simply because we're faithful to go to everyone, to just spread the seed and see who's willing to respond favorably to that. You know who's really good at this? Uh, at this idea of training and helping others? Rappers. I'm not kidding. Rappers. Some of y'all forgot about Dre. I didn't forget about Dre. Dr. Dre has mentored, and there are so many of the big names in rap today were mentored by Dr. Dre. You think Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Kendrick Lamar, uh, 50 Cent. Just off the top of my head, there's four big name rappers that Dr. Dre, who's already just huge in and of himself, is willing to set aside his own fame, his own ego, and he helps these guys start their careers. These guys get it. We at the church have not necessarily gotten it well. Let's bring it to the business world. Maybe some of us uh, feel a little bit better knowing about the business world. Warren Buffett, Steve Jobs, two guys who are completely just iconic, right? Warren Buffett, took no time to Google this and find out. Warren Buffett had Ben Graham. Ben Graham was the man who mentored and helped Warren Buffett become who he is today. You have Steve Jobs. Who did he turn to? Not Liam Neeson this time. He turned to Bill Campbell. Bill Campbell was able to come along and help Steve Jobs understand the principles that he needed so that he could become the business leader that he needed to be. And here's the cool one. Do you know who mentored Bill Gates? Warren Buffett. So you've got a guy who was mentored by someone else who, again, was, was willing to take of the things that he learned and pass that along to somebody else to help them be successful. So just right there, you've got multi-generational mentorship that's going on. Why is it that rappers and that those in the business world can get this, and yet we in the church have struggled with this for so long. 
Let's be a group of people who are willing to change that. But to be uh, able to lead others, that means that first, you need to be willing to be led. You can't make disciples of other people if you're not first willing to be a disciple yourself. I love how Tim, Tim Elmore, uh, just a brilliant guy from Atlanta on leadership, uh, he said this, good leaders lead themselves well. If you want to lead yourself well, submit yourself to discipleship. Be willing to follow after Jesus. Be willing to find a mentor, to find somebody who's willing to help train you what it looks like to follow after Jesus. You know, I think back to, to my life. Um, obviously, as a worship director, I'm pretty passionate about music. I love worship. I love that uh, I get to take that passion and do something with that for the glory of God every single week. Uh, that's it's brilliant. Uh, but I had a great mentor myself, a guy named Rob Gashler, and he's back in Tucson. He's leading Christian Challenge down at the, the U of A now, and I'm so excited that he's back here. Uh, we've met up a couple times already since he just recently moved back to Tucson. But Rob uh, just always pushed me in this area, always. Rob was my youth pastor. He was my college pastor. So I had 10 years where this guy was pouring into me. And he constantly would talk about the importance of discipleship, the importance of being willing to mentor others. And I was just at a point where I'm like, gosh, I'm 18, 19 years old. I don't know anything. I'm not passionate about that. I need to, meh, whatever. You know? And I just kind of blew it off. But I still met with him and it was still learning from him. And I can remember, uh, it was probably, I want to say about 2006, I remember sitting in a, my studio apartment on the couch. And I just remember the moment when it hit that it says, go make disciples. And God's like, Lyle, go make disciples. Did you catch that? It doesn't say go lead worship. It says go make disciples. It doesn't say go run a business, does it? It says go make disciples. It doesn't say go shoot uh, sporting clay for a living. It says go make disciples. Now there's nothing wrong with being a worship leader. There's nothing wrong with shooting sporting clay. I say that because my best friend Gavin's down here. That's what he does. Hashtag world champion. It's awesome. Um, go make disciples. And I kind of wrestled with the Lord in that moment because I was like, I get it, Lord, but what, how? What do I say? And I, it was, there's just these moments where God speaks sometimes. And it, maybe you don't hear a voice, um, but there's just something that hits and it lands. And I'm telling you, it was like a bomb dropped on me when he said, don't you think that you, as a 22-year-old, know something that an 18-year-old freshman needs to know? Weren't there things when you were 18 that you wanted to hear from others? Because you had Rob to tell you to do that. But there are people who are looking to you and you failed them. That was heavy. And I had to repent in that moment because I put off doing this for several years when there were people uh, who had approached me and people who were coming to me saying, hey, I want to learn what it is to be a worship leader. Or, uh, you know, at that point, I'd already lost my dad to cancer. And uh, people who were coming to me just going through this tough thing. How did you get through it? I'd love to meet with you regularly and kind of hear more about all that stuff. And I didn't make myself available for them. I had to repent of that. But I tell you what, that was one of the best decisions that I ever made in my life. Because as I began to pour my life out into others and see uh, the fruits 
of what happens when you're just willing to say yes to Jesus, uh, man, it, there's nothing better than seeing lives changed, right? We love those stories. We love to watch those extreme home makeovers. We love to watch those things, don't we? How much better is it when you see somebody's life completely flipped upside down for the glory of God? It's amazing, isn't it? And that's the last point here. Uh, number four here in the, the, the Great Commission. We go, not come. Make disciples, not just church members, of everyone, not just some people. But that last verse, what does he say? He says, behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Number four, remember the promise. Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you. And yet so often we want to claim the promises of God without being obedient to what comes before the promise. Grateful for the Passion Conferences. Uh, they run out of Atlanta, uh, led by a guy named Louis Giglio. And it, they have changed my life. Uh, in fact, my wife and I met uh, almost 11 years ago, uh, this January, uh, yeah, January 5th. It'll be 11 years that we met after we both got to attend the Passion Conference in 2010 in Atlanta. And so obviously things looked a little different this year because of the pandemic, um, but they, they live streamed the conference. And I'm so grateful for Priscilla Shire. Uh, her message was so profound. And so uh, John 15 if you know that chapter, Jesus talks about being the vine, the branches, that we need to remain in him or that we need to abide in Christ. And so Priscilla used this analogy, and it's just, it's so perfect. Again, my wife's Ukrainian. She loves tea. In fact, there is not a single person in this room that loves tea as much as my wife loves tea. In fact, you could probably take the combined love for tea in this room of all of us, and it still wouldn't match how much my wife loves tea. And that's because tea means fellowship, it means community. It's a chance to connect with somebody. It's not just a hot cuppa. This is life for her. It's living life with other people. And so she talked about, Priscilla Shire, uh, talked about you've got your cup of tea. What do you do? You take that tea bag and you pop it in the water and it sits in the water. And the longer that it sits, this flavor marinates or steeps out of the bag and into the water. And so if you look at our lives as if we're the hot water and we take that tea bag and that's Jesus, if we drop Jesus into to the cup, that's that picture of abiding, that we're to let Jesus abide in us and that we are to remain in Jesus in the same way. And so she told the story of a friend who came over and she sat there kind of poking with a spoon, you know, kind of dipping that bag in and out. Maybe you do that with a hand where you just kind of dip it in and out. And isn't that a picture of what we do with Christ so often? That we just take Christ, we kind of dip him in and out of our lives. And yet the strength with which Christ is able to permeate and to fill every area of our life depends on how long we're willing to let him remain in us. We've got to stop dipping the bag, don't we? And I'm telling you, I know it's not easy because we live in a society that demands so much of our attention. We have these devices now that throughout the day, they're just pinging us, and we feel like we constantly have to respond to the people who are reaching out to us. It's to the point where we have no margin in our lives any longer. And so here's the big challenge for you tonight. If you're willing to say yes to the process, 
if you're willing to say yes, that I want to be a part of this journey of being discipled, of making disciples, how are you going to create the margin in your life to do so? What are you going to say no to so that you can say yes to this? Because what happens is we put Jesus in the cup and then we put all the kids' activities into the cup and then we've got our job and all these things are in the cup and all of a sudden the cup's overflowing and Jesus pops out, right? What are you willing to say no to? What do you have to cut out of your life so that Jesus can remain in you and he can do the work that he wants to do? If you're wanting to say yes to that tonight, at the back, uh, Suzanne is going to be at the next steps table. We've got a couple sign-up sheets, and I want to encourage you. We've got small group leaders who are ready to step up, and we're going to be doing some training with them in a couple of weeks' time uh, so that when February hits, we are ready to roll. We're ready to go. You're going to have multiple options, ways that you can get involved and be discipled this year so that you can go disciple others. I'm excited to see this journey unfold. You have no idea, no idea how happy I am that we're starting this journey at the beginning of 2021. It's a new year, new beginnings. Let's make it a year where we grow deeper into Christ and let him change our lives as we do so. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, uh, we just thank you that uh, your love for us is so great, that you're so patient with us, that um, even though we may consistently let you down, we may consistently fail to live the life that you've called us to live, that there's always uh, a new day. There's always a chance to repent. There's always a chance to say, God, I failed, but I'm ready to turn this around and I'm ready to run after you and I'm ready to go the direction that you want me to go. That's the call of the Great Commission, that you want us to go, that you want us to go to everyone, that you want us to go make disciples. And yet we can just confess to you that we've not lived our lives making that a priority. We're sorry, Lord. I'm sorry as a church leader that we've looked to make church members more than we've looked to make disciples. But this year, God, we're committed to making this look different. And so would you begin to speak to people in this room tonight? God, I know that uh, if they're here, they're seeking you. And if anyone's seeking you, they wanna hear the words that you have for them. And when, when you hear this message, we can't help but think, yeah, I do wanna be mentored. Yeah, I do want someone to help me on this journey because I, I wanna experience the fullness of Christ. I wanna know what it is to remain in Christ and to just see him live through me. I wanna see that life change happen. And yet, we just get tripped up in our own heads because we, we just don't have that margin. We don't have that space for you to work, God. So would you help us just in this time, maybe you take a moment and just start to think about what fills your schedule. And God, would you speak to people as they think through that, uh, think through where can they create that space? What can they say no to? 
so that they can create the space to say yes to you. God, for those who are in this room who have life experience, who have walked with you for a long time, for those maybe at home streaming who have, would you give them the courage to step up and say, yeah, I wanna disciple others. It's time to pass on the things that I've learned because there's probably some things that those who are younger than me need to know so that they don't make the same mistakes that I make. Would you speak to all of us, God? What's the next step? How can we better follow after you? We wanna be disciples. We wanna be people who know you, who follow after you. We wanna be people who live on mission and join you in your mission. And so by your grace, Father, would you help us uh, to do that this year, to make 2021 a fruitful, a bountiful year. We love you, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' holy name.
His favor be upon you in a thousand generations and your family, your children, and their children, and their children. May His favor be upon you in a thousand generations and your family, and your children, and their children, and their children. May His favor be upon you in a thousand generations and your family and your children and your children and your children makes favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and the children and the children makes presence go before you and behind you and beside you song just be a blessing over you as you begin 2021. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. Uh, it's a blessing. It really is just that we get to continue to gather and do this. So whether you're at home, whether you're in the room, thank you so much for being a part of Element City Church. Uh, a lot of you give of your tithes and your offerings, and that's what allows us to keep doing what we get to do. And so if that's you and you're wondering how to give, um, we've got the boxes in the back of the room that you can do that. You also can go through the app. Uh, there's a little tab that says give, and you can give online at elementcitychurch.org as well. Uh, if you're new with us, uh, thanks for coming tonight. Uh, I'd love to meet you in the
you in the back. We've got the 10-minute party that's going to be going on in the back of the room. So I'll be back there for about 10 minutes uh, where you can connect, get to know a little bit more about the church, and we can get to know a little bit more about you as well. Um, so this coming Saturday, a couple big things. We've got a food distribution, and here's where it's big. It's going to happen here. So usually we've been doing those at Catalina High School. But this uh, Saturday, 8.30 a.m., right here in the church parking lot, we're going to be doing the food distribution. So if you want to help out with that, uh, you can jump into the app. You can sign up uh, and shoot us a, a, an email, however you want to let us know that you want to be a part of that, and we'll get you more information about that. Uh, and then next weekend, we invite you to come back. Uh, we got two things going on. One, we're going to continue this refund fresh series, and Jack's going to start with that, uh, this idea of reach. Uh, we're also going to be starting the 21 days of prayer. So we're going to have uh, hard copies that we can give out, but also you can go into the app now, and you can find the 21 days of prayer. It's going to go from January 11th through the 31st. And we just want to start this year out praying in unity together for the church on some specific things. And so we've got some uh, great people who put that together for us. It looks awesome, and we're excited to do this together. And also next weekend, we're going to give an update on the Blessing Project. And so if you remember back uh, last month in December, uh, 10% of everything that came in uh, we're dedicated to giving that out to ministries here in town that need that help. Uh, so we're going to have an update for you on how we're going to be partnering with a couple places to do that. So um, thanks again for making it out tonight. We love you guys. Don't forget that there's the signups in the back that if you want more on discipleship, you can leave that down there and we'll get in contact with you in the next couple weeks. But you be blessed. Have a great week. Stay safe. We look forward to seeing you next week.